I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish. To put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. So take a deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let. Your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well. And so it is. So take another deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one, and exhale out loud. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Okay. Last week, you learned a bit how your brain works, and the concept of feelings come from thoughts, thoughts come from beliefs, and beliefs we learned from our past experience, or from our caregivers, or social interaction and encounter. From our society, schools, workplace, peers, and so on and so forth. And I also mentioned that with physical illness, one of the key reasons is that 
our immune system is low. So the immune system for our mental health is what I called the psychology muscle could be weak. And of course, there are myriad scientific reasons of why uh, we get mental illness. So some, for instance, schizophrenia, bipolar, can be of genetic causes. Now, I am definitely not disputing the possibility of nature, meaning it's caused by genetics. However, let's say we may have the genetic predisposition. It may not be expressed, right? It doesn't mean that if we inherited that gene, it will express itself, and that's called epigenetics. As a matter of fact, in recent years, doctors are saying that they don't think there is just one schizophrenia gene. Instead, they think it takes many genetic changes or mutations to raise your chances of having the mental illness. Having said that, they do know that you are more likely to get schizophrenia if someone in your family has it, particularly if you are exposed to some kind of trauma. In other words, when someone experienced some kind of trauma, the traumatic experience triggers the genes and hence the mental illness. To be honest, ever since the beginning of last year, 2020, the start of the global pandemic COVID-19, I see it as the pandemic of our physical body. Actually, there is another type of pandemic. Now, I'm using the WHO's definition of pandemic. The difference between an epidemic and a pandemic isn't in the severity of the disease, but the degree to which it has spread. A pandemic, according to WHO, it cuts across international boundaries as opposed to regional epidemics. Actually, this wide geographical reach is what makes pandemics lead to large-scale social disruption, economic loss, and general hardship. It's important to note that a once-declared epidemic can progress into a pandemic. So, what is this pandemic that I am referring to? And that is a pandemic of the mind. And when we are talking about mental illness, this form of illness is prevalent, is insidious, and is growing exponentially worldwide. And that is, and I'm not exaggerating, take a deep breath, that is the pandemic of narcissism. Now, before I 
introduce you to what true narcissism is about. At this time, please allow me to circle back to what I said earlier about trauma can trigger mental illness, particularly for childhood trauma. So, my audience, at this time, I would like to share with you a study, a recent study on a childhood trauma. Its impact on their mind, brain, and body development. I believe the study was done by Chloe Wells. The study says that there is a growing body of evidence to show that trauma experienced in childhood can have long-term consequences, and I concur. The reason is I have yet. To meet a client of mine that has not experienced some kind of trauma in their past, and as a matter of fact, sad to say, most of the time is related to childhood trauma. Traumatic experiences are far-reaching and do not discriminate in terms of age, gender, ethnicity, race. Or sexual orientation, and they can be a result of a single event, meaning acute event, or repeated exposure over time. That means chronic. It is important to clarify what is meant by the term trauma. For the purposes of、uh, their paper,、uh, they define. Trauma as any event that is an emotionally or physically harmful experience is considered trauma. This includes, but is not limited to, abuse, neglect. Yes, neglect is a form of abuse. Violence, loss, accidents, disasters, and war. To be honest. Similar to this study, many other studies have shown that traumatic events that occur in childhood are not only becoming increasingly prevalent, but they also have pervasive implications for a child's level of functioning as they move through the developmental stages. Well, I already mentioned that childhood trauma has a negative impact on the mind, brain, and body. It is well established that trauma changes the structure and functioning of certain areas of the brain that are stress sensitive, such as the hippocampus, prefrontal cortex, and the amygdala. So. Let me just quickly go through、uh, what is the hippocampus. The hippocampus is a small, curved information in the brain that plays an important role in the limbic system. So, of course, the limbic system is a part of the brain that controls and manages all human emotions and feelings. And the limbic system is situated on the edge of the cortex, and it includes the hypothalamus and the amygdala. The hippocampus is involved 
in the formation of new memories, and is also associated with learning and emotions. In other words, it is associated with the functions of feeling and reacting. So, what is the amygdala? The amygdala is also, of course, is part of the limbic system that mediates many aspects of emotion and memory. Now, historically, the almond-shaped amygdala was considered to be involved primarily in fear and other emotions related to aversive, meaning unpleasant, stimuli. It is now known also to be involved in positive emotions elicited by appetitive, meaning rewarding, stimuli. Well, put it in practical terms, the amygdala in the the amygdala in the limbic system plays a key role in how animals see, assess. That means how we assess and respond to environmental threats and challenges. By evaluating the emotional importance of sensory information and prompting an appropriate response, so if you see a lion coming towards you, there are three ways to respond: fight, you stay and fight the lion, or you immediately turn around and run away from it, or you freeze. Okay, so what about the prefrontal cortex then? It is an important part of the brain that is responsible for many of our cognitive abilities. This is a almost like a control center of our brain. The prefrontal cortex is required for our analytical thinking, meaning problem solving, emotional control, and intelligence, verbal communication. And memory forming abilities. So, when a child has had adverse experiences, the individual and interconnected functions of the hippocampus, amygdala, and prefrontal cortex are definitely negatively impacted, and subsequently. Possible predisposition of an array of psychological morbidities later in life. So that's the negative impact on the brain. Now let's talk about the mind. There is strong evidence, according to this study, to suggest that traumatic childhood experiences are linked to poor emotional regulation. Emotional regulation is comprised of various strategies to manage cognitive, behavioral, and physiological responses to emotion by practicing awareness, acceptance, and understanding of said emotions. As these processes are typically developed through modeling by parents. Or our caregivers and other supportive adults, when a child has suffered trauma, this process is interrupted or missing completely. Unfortunately, as a large portion of child maltreatment is abuse, 
neglect or violence in various forms from a primary caregiver, a child is not able to learn the appropriate emotional labeling or regulatory behaviors, and therefore may develop deficits in these areas. To be honest, the current literature highlights a strong correlation between childhood trauma and the onset of various psychological problems later in life, such as major depressive disorder, schizophrenia, and bipolar disorder, to name a few. As a matter of fact, among various environmental factors, childhood trauma is one of the most important predictors of psychological disorders. Yes, I repeat, among various environmental factors, childhood trauma is one of the most important predictors of psychological disorders. Okay, last but not least, what negative impact childhood trauma has on our body development? The most widely discussed is the area, is what we call the HPA axis. These are pathways that are responsible for the biological adaptation to stress. So therefore, childhood trauma experiences have been shown to alter the development of the HPA axis and therefore impact its functioning later in life. The research also found that those children who have experienced trauma have chronic activation of the HPA axis. So what does that mean? That means they will have an elevated baseline cortisol level, which is the stress hormone, right? So with increased cortisol levels and hyperactivity of the HPA axis can be toxic to the developing brain, therefore having long-term impacts on brain functioning. In addition to the impact on the neural endocrine system, those who have experienced childhood trauma have been found to have an elevated level of inflammation in the body. Elevated inflammation is common amongst bipolar, schizophrenia, and PTSD sufferers. As you may or may not know, raised inflammation has been associated with poor treatment outcomes and diminished immune response. Another research showed that college students who had been exposed to trauma in their childhood were significantly more likely to engage in risky behaviors such as excessive alcohol consumption, tobacco use, drug use, restrictive eating, binge eating, risky sexual behavior, and self-injuries behavior. Also, a high proportion of those who engage in excessive alcohol consumption also have a nicotine dependence. Similarly, 
those who engage in substance abuse can also experience bulimia and binge eating and self-injuries behavior has been associated with disordered eating. Now, each of these behaviors is unique. However, research has posited that they are similar in function. What this means is that these behaviors are specific in that they are termed experiential avoidance behaviors. That means they self-medicate. These are attempts to avoid contact with internal experiences such as emotions, obviously related to painful emotions, thoughts, memories, or bodily sensations. Now, while these behaviors may provide short-term relief of unpleasant internal experiences, engaging in them can have negative long-term consequences. For example, engaging in long-term avoidance can result in increased exposure, intensity, and duration of unwanted stimuli as well as causing greater psychological distresses. Therefore, being a paradoxical extension of an unwanted experience. In short, ladies and gentlemen, in order to be mentally healthy and to avoid mental illness, we need to feel all emotions, particularly the ones that are painful and uncomfortable. Otherwise, it will develop into psychological disorders. Not only it will be destructive for you, and it will be harmful to your loved ones. Well, my audience, thank you for listening and I shall elaborate on this topic further next time. So until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to feel your uncomfortable and painful feelings. Bye for now. find this podcast to be honest on apple podcast spotify and my website www.drbarbarakiao.com d r b a r b a r a k i a o.com mm-hmm.